And you're not the first person to say they'd like to replace me face either. So <laughs> yeah, keep, keep, good, keep good company there, mate. The Mr. says it all, especially when she wakes up. Andrew uh, Davis, you ugly <laughs> bastard. Let's go to little life out here. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, at Steve of the NFL on Twitter. And, of course, follow the group, at UK Packers. And as usual, and I'm so excited because it's a weird thing, right? Is that it's draft time and I haven't the rashers mostly about college football and until this sort of period comes up and then I start to dig in. But I'm completely overshadowed by our draft guru, the guy who we get in and everybody enjoys. He has a written piece out and I strongly advise you to go and read it. Um, straight off the bat, make sure there's no kids listening. It's a no bullshit guide. It gives you exactly what you need to to get. Um, it's very focused on the Packers. And there's none other than Andy Davies at Shrew on Twitter. Andrew Davies, how you doing, buddy? Good evening, Steve. How are you, mate? Not too bad. Good to have you back on. I know I kicked you off uh, and got the likes of Mark Murphy and the boys on. Um, I don't know how you're feeling about that, but I guess... Well, do you know what? I feel like the... Um... I feel like one of those, um, the big stage at Glastonbury. You know, they've had Coldplay on, right. the Killers, yeah. the Kings Kings of Leon, okay. you know, the likes of, yeah. and you're bringing on a Queen tribute band to, to round the night off. A, queen, it feels a like. queen tribute band? Have you got something to tell us, Andy? I mean, is it getting that late? Is it getting the funnier? Uh, I've, got the, I've got the vest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. Uh, we all do somewhere deep down. And, do you know what? I did that once. Um, I, do you know what I, I'm starved for banter because all the people that I've had on have to be very straight laced I have a great interview actually coming up um, with a guy internally in the Packers uh, Craig Shilbury is his name great guy but again I kind of take the piss a bit Andy but I'm very straight laced again so it's time for us to whip out some anecdotes did you ever go through a phase of that Andy would you wear the wife beater on holidays would you wear the vest you know the white vest oh, yeah. and get the guns out yeah? the white vest I'm not quite sure about the white vest um, I've got I've got a Packers vest that, that that took an air in the last two summers. Um, yeah, definitely. I'd yeah, I had a Milwaukee Bucks vest. Yeah, that had a bit of an air in as well. Ala Des yeah. Bryant, he well, he's been seen in the Milwaukee's Bucks uh, vest, which surely says he's going to sign with the Packers any day now. Andy, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's not going to happen it's no. not going to happen let's not waste airtime on that silly conversation no well the last podcast I released before this was Des Bryant yeah you're an A and I kind of trashed the guy so I'm kind of hoping he doesn't because I'm going to have to grovel the bits like you know I'm going to be the first guy sending an email to his agent saying can we interview Des <laughs> you know what I mean I have to say can you send us on a link to your podcast nah you're right actually no you're fine no there's far too much water going under the bridge for that one to happen watch me be proved wrong now but I just don't see it no, I think he'll I think he'll stay in Texas that's his yeah, port of, port of call. I think I think Texans will pick him up. Maybe it's, um, I think the demand will be less than he thinks it is, though. That's for sure. Yeah, and we we kind of saw that didn't we that some of the players who thought they were going to be more demanded, it just didn't happen for them. You know, the Honey Badger, obviously on the opposite side of the ball, didn't really yeah. happen for him or his agent either. That's kind of how it pans out. But get back to this vest thing, right? Are these vests, Andy, are they skin tight? Or are we gone past the age of skin tight vests? That's what I want to know here. Yeah, you progress, don't you? As you go through the uh, decades, <laughs> yeah. you start off on a yeah. on a medium. You go to a, a sort of medium in a bigger range, and then up to an L. Yeah. Um, then you kid yourself for a couple of years that you can you can rock the L, uh, and then you move into an XL, and then yeah. that's just where it sort of lays in, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. And you have to couple it with an an A cup bra, you know, just to keep the the lads in order up top. Um, 
Yeah, you, you start going to a t-shirt under the vest, sort of basketball, <laughs> then, don't you? That's what you start. That's yeah. what it moves up to. The guys with the, without the guns yeah. on the NBA court sort of rock that look, don't they? So, uh, yeah, yeah they, you see, that's the thing. I'm sort of at that sort of long sleeve tee under the short sleeve tee thing, you know, as if it's a fashion statement when it's really not. It's trying to cover up some really grisly stuff that's going on. But um, your article's great. On the website, it's brilliant. The Draft Guru. Now, I want to get props for that also right i think it was very important that the picture that i photoshopped up at the top of you of some type of like buddhist guru style monk and um, were you impressed with that as much as you were i mean did it make the research worth it is basically what i'm asking yeah it's pretty awesome that um but uh, yeah it's the first time i've been compared to any sort of monk i have to say that yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. for various reasons but uh, yeah I, I like that mate yeah i'm gonna use it for my christmas cards if that's okay I, with you yeah that's fine yeah i'll give you the unedited sort of uh, version take the nfl sign off so you don't get done for copyright infringement <laughs> and all the rest uh that's absolutely <laughs> no problem but yeah the drunken debauchery podcast as you were talking about there that's our next one but i guess on this podcast andy what i'd like to steer it is is that first off um you're an expert so if and again, we call you the guru for a reason, right? So you always knew your stuff and you know the Packers inside out. You've been supporting the Packers since the 80s. Um, but every time you've come on to do the draft, stuff has been fantastic because it's one of those things that you can predict stuff before and, you know, trades get thrown around. People move up, they move down and all the rest. But usually your kind of main synopsis for, you know, what the Packers philosophy is and what they usually go for and sort of, you know, you go for the player. Like, for instance, and I'll stop BS now in a second, uh, is the whole running back situation. So me and Ryan last year kind of fell off our stand and then we kind of like this lads, Jesus, he's lost it this year. When you said that we were going to go for running backs, you named some of the running backs that we went for, which is a marvel because as you get that far down in the draft, as everybody knows, it's almost impossible because so many different players have come off the board that nobody expects and then you're left with who? Like no one knows. It just gets harder and harder, like that whole bracket game. So... I guess what I'd like to know is, and especially to remind me, what's your, like? how do you come to that conclusion? So two questions, right? Number one, how do you do your research into all of these players, especially as you start getting buried underneath all of the rounds? And number two, were you always uh, depended on, you know, Ted Thompson's philosophy? You kind of got a real feeling for it. Like, how are you set now with Brian Gutekunst? And what do you think we can expect in this draft with him at the helm? Yeah, I think we talked about sort of pre-pod, didn't we, about these uh, Gudekunst press it a day. Mm. Uh, I found it really insightful. Um, I mean, I enjoyed ten, sort of Ted's dry humour yeah. and his 101 ways to say nothing. Um, <laughs> I thought it was really funny. But uh, but I love that today. Um, I think it's the first time he's really sort of opened up a little bit. I thought it was awesome. Um, a little behind the scenes insight. We talked about the sort of cat and mouse games that go on within the NFL circles, um, you know. And if I could have my time over again and do a week's work's experience, you know, I'd ask, I'd ask for a week, you know, with Brian because I'd love to sort of take a week to walk in his shoes. It must be brilliant. Yeah. You know, he's doing a job he loves. And it comes across that passion and that fire and that desire to make the Packers better. It really comes across, doesn't it? Mm. Um, I haven't really got a handle on, on what he'll do and, and how he'll do it this year, to be honest. Um, but what you can say is that he's been brought up in the, the school of Ted Thompson and the school of Ron Wolf and, uh, and the guys that have come through that tree of learning do have similar sort of traits and styles, don't they? So you, you really are hanging out on that, really. And then to a degree, you're looking at the two new coaches that we've brought in, both on the offensive side of the ball and defensive side of the ball. Uh, and typically they've ran the same schemes wherever they've been. So you take a little bit of that and then look at the 
the amount of holes we've got really. Mm. Um, and Brian talked about it today, didn't he, in the press conference around, yes, it's best player available, but actually when you stack it up, if there's two players the same, we'll be taking the player of need. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to the player that we don't need, so I think it's you know, it's widely agreed that we've got numerous holes at numerous positions, and I think you'll see us trying to plug more than one or two of them during the course of the draft. Yeah, it was refreshing, and I guess we should expect something very similar to the whole Ted Thompson thing. Now, Mark Murphy was on the podcast, and that's not sort of a humble brag, uh, and he he did talk about the fact that he pulled some of those responsibilities away from Brian Gutekunst to let him focus on things like this. So, and it was interesting, I found as well, Andy, in that um, presser, was to hear him talk of the people that he was leaning on and, you know, with other people leaving that he sort of depended on more people more. Also interesting was that Ted Thompson's been in on every meeting, and that's his words, which I found interesting. So I guess we should expect uh, more of the same. And I like that comment too about the whole, you know, best player available, because I always had it in my head and I always found it a crazy notion that, if a quarterback happened to fall your way, which is, I guess, is what happened when Aaron Rodgers came up, right? Or maybe, you know, Ted at the time, his first draft, maybe he saw that as a golden opportunity just to get a quarterback in. Now, whether they thought they could sit Aaron Rodgers behind Brett Favre for, for three years, and that was actually possible at the time, or I don't know what was going through their heads. You know, it always struck me that that best player available, would you? Would the Packers take a quarterback if one of them inexplicably fell to them at 14? And I guess it was nice to hear him say, well, you sort of compare that with what you need. And on top of that, then, you know, you look at the Demarius Randall thing, a natural safety um, in college. He comes to the Packers, you know, they they shove a, a round thing into a square hole, whatever that phrase is, and jam him <laughs> in there at cornerback. You know, he gets shipped off to purgatory a la uh, Cleveland, which people say are going to be great this year at all points that way. It also did last year. They could still be absolute caca. So, you know, he's going and he says, I'm free again. And what he means is it's going to be a free safety or a safety when he goes off to Cleveland. So I guess it doesn't work every time. But so I guess the second question then for you, Andy, is when you're doing your research, then what's your process? And you, because we did talk about a pre-prod as well, right? Because again, uh, a pre-pre-prod, uh, pre-pod, uh, because I guess we're Packers nuts and we can't help but talk about it. But it's just, you know, when you see, because I saw a player today, like I was telling you, you know, he shot up 52 places, just this lad from no man's land that I hadn't seen on anybody's draft board. All of a sudden he was in like the top 15. I think it was a guard maybe. He was in the top 15 in that position. So how do you sort of, you know, filter through all of that stuff? Because you were saying that as well, right? That you'd find the sort of diamond in the rough in the fifth, sixth round. And then all of a sudden you'd see him projected as a as a second and third rounder all of a sudden. Yeah, so we'll start with the Packers. It's just a case of the positions that we are most likely to draft at. So whether it's wide receiver or outside linebacker. <clears throat> so the positions that I think we're going to sort of focus on, I start with them. Um, and then I just go through every single player. Um, uh, and the more I like a player, the more I watch them. That that's, tends to be my way. Um, and then you sort of either fall in love with that player and, and sort of make a note of it or you dismiss them out of hand because mm. they've seen something in, in the tape that I don't like. Uh, like I said to you, I think, you know, sort of 10 years ago, five years ago, even when you sort of looked at this draft sort of process from start to finish from sort of Christmas through to the draft in April, there was probably sort of 10, 15 people doing this and, and um, with respected opinions. Now, when you look at it, just like you've just alluded to there, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of people with, you know, thousands and thousands of different opinions. So when you look at one player, 
on, on one board he'll be ranked number eight and on another board he'll be ranked 68 you know I think I've been looking at some of the players that have that are ranked I think DJ Chark the wide receiver from uh, Louisiana yeah. uh, on some boards he's ranked you know high second round even the edge of the first round and you look at some boards he's down at sort of rounds four and five so there really is just a huge chasm in between some of the some of the scouting reports some of the people who are just doing it um, off the back of a cigarette packet and you just need to trust your own eyes, and that's what I do. Um, there is one or two people that I um, that I really do trust in terms of their scouting opinion that I that I pay credence to. Um, but, it, but ultimately, it comes down to what you see, uh, and that's what I take it on. Um, I start with positions that that I enjoy scouting as well. I enjoy scouting wide receivers. Mm. Um, I enjoy scouting sort of pass rushers, defensive ends, and outside linebackers, uh, and particularly corners and safeties. Um, so everyone and that's what it is, really. <laughs> Well, well, what special teams doesn't interest me one iota. Yeah, um, you know things like long snappers, kickers, punters. I think that's just QBs. I don't particularly enjoy either. And I suppose we've been sports Packers fans because in you know in two decades we haven't needed one. Mm. You know we've picked Aaron Rodgers and we had before that we had Brett Favre. So in terms of scouting quarterbacks, is is there a real need there? No. Uh, have we you know have we cheesed Aaron Rodgers off in the last sort of two or three months? There may be. But I guarantee if we take a quarterback, he'll be cheesed off on day one. So um, I just don't foresee that happening at all, really. Yeah, and I guess that's what we should, because what I'll do is I'll run through the roster. I'll sort of talk a little bit about, you know, the players that we've lost, the, the potential players that we could uh, re-sign, um, where other players have gone to see where those holes are. But before yeah. we get into all of that, I mean, because... So again, I'll, I'll tell people, go to the website, ukpackers.co.uk. Your article is the featured article. Um, and you say that our needs are cornerback, outside linebacker, wide receiver and guard. Now, I'm looking at the wide receivers in this in this draft class. And like you, you know, I go and I look at a, a, just, as you said, there's about 100 different ones. But they generally hit the same top 10, top 15. I'd go in and look at some of their tape and, and see how they sort of grade out or whatever. Um, but before we go anywhere near all that, there's two real questions here. Number one. Uh, what do you think the Packers will do? Will they trade up or trade down? Because we alluded to Brian Gutekunst's presser. Um, what struck me was, is from the bat, they said to him, you have 12 picks. Uh, does that give you sort of ammunition to trade? And he said, no, I like my board the way it is. And then someone else asked him about four questions later. Oh, so you draft first in the fourth and fifth round. You know, does that give you a difference? You know, when you go into the day fresh, is that any different in your thought process? And he, he was like, well, you know, drafting first, you get more phone calls and you have more opportunity to move up than if you need it. And I was kind of like, well played, Brian, yeah, yeah. well played. What do you mean? Yeah. So my Excellent question for bat. you, it's brilliant, isn't it? Like the poker yeah. face is unbelievable. So my question to you, Andy, is, 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 is twofold, right? One, do you think that there is enough talent at certain positions without getting into, I guess, the specifics for us to move up and down? And second off, is there a surprise in the works? Because I was listening to Mel, I'm going to call him Mel Kipper because that's how I see it. Mel Kipper Jr. on ESPN today and he was they went back and forward and traded uh, who they thought was going to draft who and they had to pretend they were the GMs and for uh, the Packers he went and drafted a wide receiver and says oh you've annoyed Aaron Rodgers you have to keep him happy so I reckon that they go for Calvin Ridley which is just as a Packers mm. fan like me and you were like Jesus Christ stick to defense it's so obvious blah 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 right so my, my question is do we trade up or down or do we do anything surprising like go for a quarterback or go for a wide receiver or some other position that you do not have on your list so if we want a difference maker for me we have to go up because mm. I'm finding it really hard at 14 yeah. um, to find a difference maker 
Um, so 40% of me says we move up. I think 40% of me says we move down. Uh, and there's a 20% chance if we don't find a trading partner, we stand pat. Yeah. But uh, when you watch the tape of the two guys that I'm enamoured with, which is um, Edmonds, a linebacker, and Derwin James, the, the safety, and then you watch the potential other first-round possibilities, the likes of Davenport that's been mentioned and Landry, I can only sort of... I'm just trying to draw comparisons. It's like drinking an expensive wine and you sort of fall in love with it and you love every mouthful. And then once you've polished that bottle off, you go into the fridge for a cheaper bottle that's left in the wine rack. And yeah, okay, it tastes nice, but it's just not hitting the same sort of spots and notes as a classy bottle. The question is, is can you afford to, the price to buy the expensive bottle the next time you go to the shop? Yeah. Or, you know, because you're in love with it, or do you buy three or four bottles of the cheaper ones? I know that one of them or all of them matured and, and hit the spot, really. And that's the quandary that, you know, Gudekunst alluded to in his presser, isn't it? That actually, can they afford to, to step up and get the difference maker that they want? Uh, and I guess that's the, 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 the sort of million dollar question. That's why the draft's so interesting this year, isn't it? Yeah. Um, because I think this year it really is a case of, well, you know, it's a long time since we've drafted so high. So I think there's a bit of pressure there that comes with that. But actually, to get the people we want, unfortunately, it, we're going to have to move up two or three spots, which is going to cost you in the region of a third round pick. Um, or, or do we take a step back and sort of take a bit of a bit of a punt on three or four players in the meat of the draft? Yeah. And I guess, and is this a guilt edge chance for us to do something like this? Because, you know, always drafting in the high 20s or 30. You know, I mean, is this the year to just say, right, let's not put all of our eggs in one basket, but effectively, you know, really go for that marquee player? Because you did remark last year, and I'll always remember it, as I said to you, is it difficult for the Packers to draft where they are consistently? I mean, does that sort of deplete your squad? And you said that it you're not guaranteed a proper, you know, ball out player in the first round by itself, because, I mean, an awful lot of our difference makers haven't been first-rounders. Do, like, do you still sort of stand by that still, or is this a year that's different now with all of these cornerbacks? It, it is a year to, to sort of take a bit of a punt, but unfortunately our roster is at such a state that it's not... It's a big deal, isn't it? You know, we've got quite a lot of holes to fill, uh, and the free agency activity has been selective, uh, and I think he's done a good job, but we've still got quite a few leaks to to plug haven't we so uh, it, this is why I'm saying it's sort of 50-50 for me 50-50 say we, we sort of go up and 50-50 say we step back and, and potentially try and plug a few more of those holes because there's a number of them to fill um, the, the only two players I'd go up for uh, unequivocally would be Edmonds or James I don't I haven't fell in love with anybody else I think that the, the guys that have been mentioned in terms of Ward or Fitzpatrick I think are all serviceable I think Landry's serviceable um, I, I think there's a number of players there but I don't love any of them enough to stand pat 14 and take them or to move up and take them. The only yeah. two guys for me would be James or Edmonds. If they're available and they're at a price that we can afford, then go for it. If it's not happening, then I would 100% move back into the mid-late 20s, depending on who the suitors are. Yeah, because we're going to dig into kind of the measurables and how we feel that they're going to fit. And I, I get what you're saying with the likes of Denzel Ward, Josh Jackson, because... I just saw their names up in lights all over Packers Twitter. And then when I looked into it, Denzel Ward is, you know, 
tipped to perhaps be too short does he actually fit the bill with because we saw that in the presser again today from brian gudekunst right where he talks about the measurables the ron wolf kind of uh threshold i think they call it um yeah. you know where they have to have the certain measurables and you've talked about that before but before we delve into all of that stuff andy let's take a look at the the current depth chart as it stands and look at who we lost who we got in and sort of see where those holes lie so uh the big signings of course uh on defense uh mo wilkerson comes in so it was scary looking at the depth chart and just seeing Dean Lowry there. And the only person behind him was Quinton Doyle, who's now a free agent. I was thinking, oh, yeah. shit, what are we doing? So Mo Wilkerson comes in. Now, Mo talked about Dean Lowry being one of the standout guys, along with Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels on the line. Um, now, at defensive tackle, we've Montrevious Adams, and the Packers are pretty high on him. So our D-line, I'd like to say that it's set. But I guess if you look behind it all, we have Dean Lowry and we have Montrevious Adams. Uh, you know who do we have behind Kenny Clark um, you know that's kind of what scares me here is that we're an injury away now Kenny Clark is I, I from a small sample size I get it but you know famously durable I think he only missed one game last season so are you behind the notion that our defensive line is set that we don't need to supplement it with anything and that they're in fact going to be the key to to Petten's defense this year that is going to cause our cornerbacks to look even better like it doesn't matter who we draft that we're going to look good because we're going to get that pressure up front no like he's again as good as alluded to in the presser it's um big guys are hard to find yeah and if there's one there that you like you take him simple as i don't think you, it's a, you know pick one or pick two but certainly during the course of day two i think i would imagine that we dip our toe in the water um there's quite a few guys that are um that are sort of creeping up draft boards nathan shepherd defensive tackle from Fort Ed state we've talked about um, a guy called PJ Hall is a bit of a run stopper from mm. Sam Houston State. Um, Harrison Phillips is a guy I like uh, at Stanford as well. Um, but I think that was sort of top three or four your Vita V's, uh, uh, Maurice Hurst, and Deron Payne. I don't see us in the race for those sorts of guys unless we really do some moving and shaking at the top of the round two and three. Uh, but some guys certainly later on uh, in day two and day three would be real options for us. And you don't see Gudekunst or the Packers making an odd punt because Kenny Clark at the time kind of took everybody by surprise because he's dominant now. And I guess that has to go down as one of Ted Thompson's, you know, just masterful genius picks because when we took him, everyone was like, Kenny, like seriously? And, you know, there was everyone had, you know, seven different people on their draft board that they would accept, but this was not one of them. But I guess it's all worked out personally I don't see it, it happening that way I look at the D-line as, as pretty set and like you said maybe pick something up or maybe go sort of you know after the draft pick somebody up there as a bit of competition but I think we're fairly stacked um, at that now one of the needs that you have is um, outside linebacker now on the depth chart uh, on the left side you've Clay Matthews which again I reckon he's going to be used more inside personally and I'm interested to see how you feel about it Ahmad Brooks is gone free agent uh, we've Vince Beagle, who we didn't see. He got injured, never really played a part. Reggie Gilbert, an awful lot of people are high on as well. Um, Nick Perry on the right side. Uh, Kyler Fackrell, who has to be kind of classed as a bust now, not unless he just breaks out this year for no reason whatsoever. And Chris Odom. So uh, outside linebacker is a need, but I would argue as well, Andy, that inside linebacker were super thin. Jake Ryan, Blake Martinez... Um, you know the two main ones Joe Thomas has went off to the Dallas Cowboys I mean their linebacking core in general I don't know it, it looks slightly promising I guess if if you look at the likes of Vince Beagle and, and what type of ceiling that he has uh, Reggie Gilbert uh, seems like a, a pretty aggressive player um, but this is definitely one of your needs right 
Yeah, it's been a need for, for as long as I can remember doing this podcast, that's for sure. Yeah. It needs athletes and it needs a little bit of length and it needs speed. That's what we need. Um, today's linebackers are a little bit different, particularly on the inside, aren't they? When you look yeah. at the likes of the guys in Atlanta who are doing a bit of more of a hybrid role. Perhaps Josh Jones does play a little bit in that role this year. Yeah. But some of the guys, are Lorenzo Carter, who was a defensive end in college, who could sort of move to the outside linebacker. I really like him. I think he's a supreme athlete. Um, Harold Landry, we've talked about um, on the edge, who could be available um, at some point during round one. Um, yeah, I think there's a number of guys that we need to look at as well. Darius Leonard, uh, who's a guy from, is uh, an inside guy, and obviously Tremaine Edmonds, who's probably my favourite person uh, in the draft. Yeah, and do you think he will be there? Like for a player like Tremaine Edmonds, he's he's seen as a definite uh, number one. He's got like just speed, size, um, you know, an excellent pass rusher. It's exactly like me. He's also a three-four outside linebacker, so you know he fits the build. Now I know Pettens after coming out and saying. Uh, you know, three four four three. Oh, who cares? We're so exotic, right? But it, it's gonna say we are a three four team. Now, not I might sort of plug Dean Lowry in there and go four three or whatever exotic stuff that they want to do. But um, I don't know. Do, he's is a freak. He there? He's a oh, yeah. he's a freak, isn't he? He's a freakish athlete. He's um, what is he? Nineteen, twenty years old as well. He's you know he's yeah he's got it all going on. Yeah, you know, I think as well we need to start considering special teams when you look at some of the players that we've lost in the off season. We've um, Special teams is a bit dry as well. So I think that, you know, some of the people that we draft this year absolutely have to be considered as special teams you know, contributors. So I think that that's where you're looking at the athlete side of it um, with, with, with speed to burn and, and good measurables for me. I think we need a real upgrade in that area. And how close do you think these players are in this draft? So if you look at the likes of Tremaine Edmonds, uh, Roquan Smith, who's everyone's high on, I was hearing him, his name peppered around everywhere today. Um, Harold Landry, uh, Darius Leonard. Like, is there much between these guys? Because you can see, like, once you get four deep on some of these charts for outside linebacker, I mean, you know, Darius Leonard is projected to go between the second and third rounds, whereas all the other lads are, you know, projected between the one and two. So, I mean, you get to the fourth best player and he's already going in the third round. You know what I mean? So is there is there a massive gulf between these? Is this what you mean by your fine wine kind of um, analogy? Yeah, I think that the only fine wine that there is for me is Jermaine Edmonds. But, you know, after that, you're taking a bit of a punt. I like Darius Leonard. He's, he's quite rangy. I think he could do a good job in coverage for us, which is something that we've struggled with typically, yeah. um, particularly down the middle. I think he's a, he's a difference maker there. So I like I like his athleticism there. I think the likes of Rakan Smith and stuff are probably outside of our um, affordability. Um, Rashawn Evans, just where we drafted, I think is a different type of linebacker and something we probably probably overlook. Which is why I like um, Edmund so much. I think he's diverse, isn't he? I think he would fit Patine's system in terms of he's got so much ability, both inside and outside, and he can shoot the gaps, he can cover, he can do it all. Really, he's a bit of a freak, isn't he? So um, I think he could be the he could be the one. A lot's been talked about the guy from Boise State, hasn't it? Leighton Van Der Esch. It just depends how far he drops, really, and I guess about you know, where we end up drafting. I wouldn't like him at fourteen, but but certainly further down round one, he'd be an option. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Davies Leonard would be uh, a, an ideal choice on day two for me, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, looking at him here, you know, uh, four seven forty time, uh, he's quoted in his scouting report as being NFL size and the fact that he's good in both pass um, and run stopping. So you know, and they, they always talk about this side to sideline speed. So yeah, he de- definitely seems like a good one, and especially good value for money if you know it sort of pans out the way we think it's going to pan out and we can get value for money so 
Uh, you know, do we go outside linebacker? Do we go cornerback? How do you think this is going to all pan out? I mean, what, what's the biggest need for you, do you think? Because if we look at the cornerback position, you know, we've Kevin King in there. He had that injury uh, last year to the shoulder, which, again, is worrying me because it's persistent. Um, and we also brought back Tremont Williams uh, playing on the right side in Arizona last year. Um, you know, Devon House is back, who again, like Devon House is seen as kind of a stopgap and people are saying that about Tremont Williams as well. If we look at the, the roster as it stands, Andy, is Tremont and is Devon, um, I like the way that sounds, they should have a TV show together. Um, do, <laughs> are they just stopgaps or do you think Tremont still has, you know, a, a good ball for an extra year or two? Um, and then on top of that, like, is Kevin King the answer? Did, did he get kind of, you know, just a really bad year with that shoulder injury? Is his ceiling as high as everyone thinks it is? Because we're pretty weak behind that, right? You know, Lindsey Pipkins, Donatello Brown, Josh Hawkins. Uh, you know, people have just come in and play kind of a bit part. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting competition, isn't it? I, I, I like King. I think he's an excellent perimeter cornerback, and I think he's got... Um a lot of potential and I think he did well to play through the pain that he was obviously going through. Mm. Um, I like the pickup of Jamon Williams. If you'd have asked me after the Seattle game, um, I thought he was finished. So he, he's done, you know, fantastically well to, to, to sort of continue his career on, on an upward curve. Uh, and you can't argue with the tape last year in, in Arizona. He was, he was awesome. Yeah. So on paper, it looks like a good pickup. Um, I'm not so um, enamored with the, with the retention of Devon house. Um, I didn't see enough from him last year. I didn't see enough um, from him from his first stint with the Packers. If I'm really honest, to be enamoured with him, so I would um, I'd look for an upgrade there. And I think we're desperate for a slot corner now. Maybe he's one of the young guys can step up and do that. Whether it's your Hawkins or your Pipkins, but um, I would like to see us come out of the draft with two cornerbacks. Um, there's a, there's a, this is a different type. This is a, a bit of a change, a bit of a step away from. What we typically talk about, you know, the prototypical size for a Green Bay cornerback. I think they will take one. Um, I absolutely love um, Isaiah Oliver, the guy from um, Colorado, 6'1", 190. He's great in coverage. He can play press and zone. Um, I think he would be an ideal. Josh Jackson's probably been the most talked about guy in terms of the link with the Packers. I'm just not sure he'll be available right at the end of round one. And I think it's too high at 14. So we just have to see where that sort of how that plays out. But he's a good player, yeah. but he's not without his edges. And then after that, you, you know, there's, there's, there's twofold, really. There's a couple of guys that play in the slot. Um, there's Dante Jackson, who's very quick. He's very small for a corner at 5'11". He's only 175. But there's also a guy called uh, Duke Dawson from Florida that I like. Again, he's only 5'10", but he's slightly heavier at 208. Um, I really like him and then on the perimeter there's a couple of guys sort of further down the list um, Dane Krukchank from Arizona who played a bit of hybrid played safety and corner at Arizona and a guy called um, Isaac Yidum from Boston College who they actually um, I, I, they, they brought him for a visit I believe as well mm. um, so I think he would be a decent guy on perimeter uh, Mike Hughes has been talked about uh, Holton Hill a guy from Texas um, again he's really tall he's almost like a Kevin King clone to be honest um, really rated how coming out of high school. Um, had a bit of bit of a tough time in Texas, but I think the potential's there to be a, to be a decent perimeter corner. So you've got quite a few options further down the further down the draft there. I'd like to see us take two. Um, I'd like to see us take it from a position of weakness to a position of strength. If you can pick two, you know, sort of budding starlets from the draft and then add a Williams and King to the mix, you, all of a sudden you're looking at you know we could hold our own on the back end. Yeah, and like you said about Hill, tall guy, pretty fast for his size. Dante Jackson, as you said, again, 5'10", 
Um, and I believe that, that that's the same height as Denzel Ward, 5'10". Um, Denzel Ward running a 4.3240. And that's the exact same for Dante Jackson, same time. Um, and he's seen as one of these guys, uh, super zippy guy, really fast, will follow the, you know, your number one wide receiver down the field. But I guess with that size and with hitting the NFL always concerns me, I guess. Um, it's a slot receiver, though, that concerns yeah. me. So if you watch tape of... I don't know, let's go and pull out the Dallas tape from last year, for example. When you put somebody in the slot who's equally as small, sort of 5'10", 5'11", you know, sharp rather than extended range of speed, mm. they've caused us huge amounts of problems. And that's the guy we need to defend against, I suppose. And that's, you know, that's why I'm looking at some of the smaller guys to go with what we've already got, to be honest. Yeah. Because I don't think that Kevin King suited to that. He was exposed when he played in the slot last year. I don't think it's Chamon's you know, 40, I think he's better with the primitive backing up. It's certainly not Devon House's strength. So you are looking at the sort of um, the first year guys that we had last year to, to come through if that's going to be a position manned. So I think we might just need to draft for need there um, and then take a punt on one of the primitive guys to sort of back up the likes of Williams and King. Yeah, and for me personally, I like the the sound of Dante Jackson. Um, I think he's he'd be a stellar player maybe in that position, especially with his speed. Um, and also the ability to get downfield too. Now, do you think, you know, using our safeties, because I see an awful lot out there that says, you know, we're set at safety, and I just don't know where that comes from. Morgan Burnett goes off to the Steelers. Uh, Demarius Randall, who could have been not even convertible, put back to his original position at safety, whether you wanted him, but I know his personality was disruptive to the locker room. So, we, you know, we've Josh Jones in there. Um, do you think he can step up to the plate um, at strong safety um, and, and couple with Haha Clinton Dix? Clinton Dix himself, Andy, I mean, there was question marks there. And I see him cribbing an awful lot on social media saying about people not <laughs> believing him and all the rest. And you're kind of like, well, you've yeah. saw the tape, you know, <laughs> like the yeah, coaches yeah. would have said it to you. Behind those two guys, we've Jermaine Whitehead and, and Marwin Evans. Um, so not something that kind of fills me with... Uh, you know no. an awful lot of faith and no offense to those professionals but i mean you know this is what happens every year right we pick up the injuries is you know what what it just baffles me what the packers try to do here do we, do we go cornerback because i what the way i see it pan out is is in round one if we're not trading up or down to try you know do something supremely clever if we stick with where we are i reckon that we just pick the best player between um an outside linebacker versus a cornerback slash safety at that time and then it doesn't matter who it is we just need one of them because i think our needs are equal at those positions how do you yeah, see absolutely. that safety position yeah absolutely yeah uh, we either take you know i'd be ecstatic with james he, yeah. he would instantly upgrade us as a football team um i'd be okay with fitzpatrick uh, after that the the cupboard's um, a, a little bit bare to be honest there's a couple of guys further down the draft that would be I suppose of interest um, but uh, but it's we're a year too late with the safety crop last year was the was the year and we didn't you know we took Josh Jones and that was it so I bit of a head scratcher for me if we had you know the intention was to release Morgan Burnett then last year would have been the year to address it for me there's a couple of guys Jesse Bates from Wake Forest uh, and Kaiser White from West Virginia um, would be two guys there. Like I said, Krupp Shanks, he, he did play both positions. Mm. And maybe it's a guy from Wisconsin as well, Natrell Jameson, um, who, who flashed a little bit for me. But outside of that, compared to last year's crop, it's a, it's a pretty weak bunch after the top two. Yeah, and why are you not so high then on Minka Fitzpatrick? Because, I mean, mentioning James above him, I think... An awful lot of people, if not everybody, has Minka Fitzpatrick as number one. You know, why did why did you flip the two of them? What what did you see on the tape? Um, Fitzpatrick in coverage for me has probably got the superior skills, but 
but I just think James is one of those athletes that can do it all. I think he can he can tackle, he can blitz, he, he sees the hole, um, he's effective in coverage, he's got size, he's got presence, um, he's got leadership abilities. I just I just like the whole the swagger that he carries himself with. I just think he's a difference maker, and those are few and far between, aren't they? And particularly on on defensive side of the ball for us, we've gone without identity for quite a while now. You know, I think Matthews at his at his peak was a was a tone setter. I think Daniels has flashed, hasn't he? Uh, in certain games, he's just taken over the game. And Kenny Clark, we were seeing, is going to be a, an all-pro at some point. But we haven't really had an identity. And I would like to see someone with a bit of... Um, he reminds me of the guy from... Um, the safety from Washington, the guy that passed away, who got shot. I can't think of his name now. And he reminds me a little bit of him. Similar size, similar style. You know, excellent range across the field. He just mm. reminds me of him. Uh, and, you know, and, and somebody of that calibre in a Packers uniform can't help but get you excited, can it? So... Yeah, because uh, we see on the draft report that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick has put down as, you know, he's six foot, uh, James is six foot three, so he's got three inches less, uh, which sort of, I guess that's why he has. But looking at his speed, Andy, like Minka Fitzpatrick isn't that much faster um, than James, which which sort of shocked me. But I guess they, they put him as having that versatility to, to play um, nickel corner. Um, to get into the slot, he's they say he's good at covering tight ends, which I would have imagined that James would have been more proficient right with his size. Yeah, he's smoother in his coverage. He's, he's definitely smoother in his coverage. And if you watch some of his tape, the way he undercuts roots and, and reads the quarterback, he's very, he's very impressive. So there's no getting away from the fact he's a, he's a talented player. Mm. I, I just guess, you know, if we're going to go at 14, then to go, we're going to have to go up to get James. There's no way he's going to be there at 14. I think Tampa Bay have their eyes on him, don't they? So yeah. we are living in a little bit of fantasy land here. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. getting all excited for no reason. So. But if, if it could make it happen, then, then he'd be the guy to, to reach up for, absolutely. And the two of them, as you say, are not going to be available. Um, So, like, outside of the two of them, do you see an absolute realistic option that the Packers would take in the first round? Or do you think that this is more of a territory for them to hit second, third, fourth round? Oh, yeah, there's nobody else in the first round. Not even day two, I don't think. i say there's a couple of guys, Kaiser White, Jesse Bates, they would be day, day sort of three, round four time, I think. Yeah. So not not for me, not not at the top certainly. Yeah. So I mean, so that that's the defensive side of the ball. That's something that people are going to really focus on. But again, in your piece that you have on the website, you talk about wide receiver and you talk about guard. So wide receiver, you know, the the losses are are obvious. Jordy Nelson gone to the Raiders. Jeff Jan has gone to the Cleveland Browns, um, which leaves us in good hands, I guess, with Devontae Adams, um, Randall Cobb, which was really harsh as well at the time. That people, were, you know, it's kind of like when someone passes away and they go, "It should have been me," you know, and everyone was just coming out, "God, it should have been Randall Cobb." I guess he felt really good. I think hopefully he was on safari or something. I know he did that for his honeymoon. Hopefully he was off in some country with really bad Wi-Fi for not to see that because I just thought it was awful kind of coverage at the time now i was shocked and i thought randall cobb might have been the more obvious um selection for a number of reasons you know his production went down and uh, not that jordy nelson was was expected to light it up and i guess it's that sort of you know extrapolation as to what someone to do in the future uh geronimo allison and again he kind of excites me and i don't know what he you know what type of tingles he gives you in your nether regions but geronimo allison none, <laughs> none whatsoever no none whatsoever the rest of the wide receiver core give me no tingles whatsoever um, you can put them all together. Trevor Davies, uh, Michael Clark, and maybe maybe some pins and needles. Six um, foot six. I mean, the dude's huge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The dude's red zone threat. I, I could live with that um, mm. as a as a fifth wide receiver. But to have Allison as my three and Trevor Davies as my four, no way. 
No way, Jose. We go minimum two wide receivers in this draft. Absolutely nailed on. And so tell me then about what happens when you get these boys in the camp. I mean, are we looking at some of the, the old guard, the likes of, you know, Trevor Davis, Jerome Allison? Are they quaking in the boots here at this type of competition? And is there yeah, enough talent? Because that's what sort of struck me with this, Andy, was the wide receiver crop in this draft didn't seem that deep, you know, apart from the obvious number one. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's that so. But I think that um, it, it's got three or four, well, maybe four or five players, actually, that I really like that would be an upgrade on what we have. I think the thing with Trevor Davis is... I've always said as a wide receiver, you, you normally see um, them cut their teeth as a kick returner or a punt returner, and you see them show some glimpses of um, decisiveness, some cutting ability, some real um, awareness, and, and, and the sort of ability to make plays, if you like. Yeah. I just haven't seen that. We are, for, apart from the odd kick return of sort of 60-plus yards, I just don't see that consistency from him. Obviously, these off-season uh, misdemeanor is not going to help him any either, is it? So, um, and with Allison, I think he was solid as a as a number four, but once you put him up to number three, you know, can you trust him? Can you? Has he got the speed that we desperately need to open up the offense? Not really. Um, I just think there's too many talented players on the draft board for me to um, to take that would upgrade our offense immediately. You know, you should sort of line up as a four wide and put Trevor Davis. Geronimo, Randall and Devante. I'm not I'm gonna triple coverage <laughs> Devante and, and put single on Randall and I'd leave them two guys unmarked to be honest. <laughs> do that, you know what though? Do you know what's Because Aaron's, Aaron's not going there anyway. Aaron's not going there anyway. So, you know, why would you know he doesn't throw to them. He's not he's, he hasn't gained their trust. I think Allison did briefly, didn't he, at the end of the season before last, but you yeah. know, that quickly eroded as the season wore on last year. They just it's just not for me. And at the very minimum it'll provide competition in the off season. If it raises their level of performance, then then great and I'll eat some humble pie. That's fantastic. But but it's um for me there's guys on the draft board that are available that could really help us. Well, what stands out for me with Geronimo and why he says he gives me a tingle and me tingle tingleberries, right? Is that it's just the fact that when Aaron had to go to, like, for instance, if you look at all of the dynamite plays that everyone likes, the sexy plays, right? Yeah. Jeff Jan is not going to be doing that anymore because he's gone off to the Browns. The sexy plays are where Aaron Rodgers is crazy under pressure. He can't go to his usual, you know, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb progression, and he has to go to someone else in green. You know, he picked out Jeff Janis on that absolute bomb and then you have the Hail Mary, which obviously I, I get that he's not going for anybody. He's just going for an area and they happen to come down with it. Uh, but there was a couple of passes that, you know, Dronham Allison hauled in for touchdowns, um, you know, yeah, well, it was probably two years ago now. Um, that sort of, I looked at him and was like, okay, well, that's what maybe could happen if... Uh, now, I'm not going to say, because I know he knows way better than me, not that if all oh, Farron Rodgers just got over himself... You know, and, they, and I know that he trusts people for a reason and he sees them all the time in practice. And maybe that ship has sailed, you know. Maybe he's never going to trust them and you don't want him to get into that position where he's running for his life and he literally just hauls the ball at someone who he sees is marginally open. But it just, I sort of thought that when I saw those passes go in, I was like, well, you know, maybe there is a chance here that we can kind of open up the offense a bit. You know, because if you look at Drew Brees, for instance, I mean, he goes to so many different targets, mostly because he yeah. can't see what he's doing. <laughs> he's kind of just trying to <laughs> ping that ball over the O-line because he's like, okay, I think there's someone in a black jersey there. Um, now, I know Aaron's not, that's not the case. Um, and I, look, I don't know how the offense is going to go with Philbin in there, uh, with the new quarterback's coach in there. Um, so look, who absolutely who knows? I guess we should shift away from that. But apart from Calvin Ridley at number one, um, they have Cortland Sutton in as the sort of bona fide number two. They sort of mark him between one and two. 
do you think there's value in the really lower rounds you reckon like we're, we're getting into donald driver territory here andy with this and is that where we leave it or do you think there's kind of a little bit of a shock on the board in the sense that we go for a wide receiver in the third round i, I think there's options all the way from sort of two down to well two to seven really i think yeah. there's there's a, there's a couple of players for each round i like um out of all the receivers and you can include Sutton, washington um ridley in that i like um gallop michael gallop from colorado state i think yeah. he's uh the right size he's got speed he's raw but i think he um he's almost like a raw sterling sharp to me i, I really like him um anthony miller more of a technician um reminds me of keen allen the guy from uh, san diego mm. very much like that very good technician i think he would be excellent um I like Traquan Smith. He's a bit again from a smaller from a smaller school, but again six one two ten, good size. Um, there's, there's plenty of options going further down. Dion Kane, guy from Clemson, he's got a bit of a troubled background, but he's on the field playing a, in a sort of a, in a run happy offense. Was uh, was decent. I like him. And so Jamon Moore, guy from Missouri, a bit further down. The guy from Washington, Dante Pettis, which people have sort of touched upon, is a sort of speed guy and can offer a bit of an option on special teams. And that's going to be key for me. You know, when we talked about sort of Alisson there, what does he give you on special teams? Nothing. Yeah. You know, what has Trevor Davies given us on special teams? Um, inside the five-yard down punts. And after that, not a lot. So I, I would be looking at twofold, particularly with the running backs and the wide receivers and to a degree defensive backs if it comes into it. We need to upgrade special teams and get a bit of a get a bit of a momentum there as well. So there's, there's several options. I mean there's a guy called DJ Chark that's been banded around. He's he's ranked hundred and eighty in some quarters, yet he's ranked top top forty in other quarters. So I don't know quite not to make of that. But I think he's raw. I think his footwork needs to be worked on. But I think he again he could be an option as well. So that's probably five or six people that I've I've looked upon what I'd take over our current two on three and four in the depth chart for sure yeah and this is an area where you're particularly good and this is why we always say yeah i mean you should have got the job for gm you were on the short list probably that they couldn't release to the public but uh you didn't get it so definitely anyone listening to the podcast do check back and see if um andy's predictions come through because he's he's scarily good at it well the packers the packers are scarily good at wide receivers aren't they so whether it's greg jennings jordy nelson round two and you, you go even further back than that you know the Donald Drivers in round six seven whatever it was the, the Packers have been historically very good at drafting receivers haven't they so um, you know I trust that they'll get this one right and I think uh, I think for sure they'll take at least two yeah which um, I guess you know to, to see what the likes of uh, Trevor Davis can, can do on special teams as you say um, which is just I had to laugh last year when they were like, oh, Trevor Davis is, is going to get his confidence back. He's been working all off season. He's the only player to send his coach tape uh, of him catching passes. And I was like, okay, you know, I mean, you know, there's always these negative stories where you hear about someone who's just, you know, pissing about, drinking too much, getting caught from misdemeanors, yeah. which again, like... Uh, <laughs> but it's on, know, the, it's on the field that it counts, doesn't it? So when you look yeah. at someone like Robert Brooks, when he came to the Green Bay Packers, you know, his first year, special teams, you know, you could clearly see that he had the ability to play at wide receiver through his special teams play. Antonio Freeman, exactly the same. Kick mm. returns, punt returns, flashing ability, gameplay ability that gets you on the field and gets you more playing time. We just haven't seen that with Trevor Davis. We just, we just, you know, we just haven't seen that full stop. And I think that when you're you're fighting your way into the NFL, special teams is your stage, isn't it? And if you can't impress on that stage, you're not going to get the snaps as a full time starter. You're just yeah. not. 
Yeah, and he, he sort of strikes me as a player. And I think this is the real asset test is that when he's going to catch the ball, I'm not thinking like... You know, like a like a holiday, like a trend on holiday. That oh, here we go. It's going to be a big gain. I'm thinking exactly. You know, yeah. he either gets down straight away, he fumbles the ball, or maybe maybe he gets some yards. <laughs> and that that's not a you know, I'm not trying to be negative about the guy. And I think that he has nope. some explosiveness nope. or whatever, and that he he yeah, does yeah. have sort of a quick cut. But do you know what struck me as well, Andy? That the, I I know exactly what happened uh, last year is that he was there was that story where he sent in tape and all the rest, and then he came out and he did okay, and then he had one blistering run. I don't know. I don't think it was a touch. Maybe it was a touchdown. I can't even remember. No, I think it was just short, wasn't it? I think it was yeah. seventy yards. He got a kickoff return, didn't he? And, and... shocking good. And what what happened there was is he caught the ball and he literally made the step instantly, right? But he, he focused on securing the ball, then making the step. Now the next, there, there was a story that came out then. I remember it in the media saying, "This is uh, this is the fruit of his labor. This is what he's on the scene now, and this is it." And then the very next week, you can see that he tries to do the exact same move, but he's so confident now because of all of the media and because he thinks that it's all paid off, is that he doesn't secure the ball and he's already making that step while he's catching it. And then all of a sudden he fumbles it or whatever happened um, and it was an absolute disaster. So it's that kind of thing. It's that it's not a sure thing. Um, but one thing that people lead us to believe is a sure thing is our tight end position. Now, Lance Kendricks is there. Uh, Martellus Bennett decided to get a shoulder injury, leave to a different team, and then subsequently uh, got cut, and he's gone from the NFL, and that whole saga is put to bed. Richard Rogers gone off to the Eagles. Emmanuel Bird, we don't hear an awful lot of. I think he got a bit of playing time at the end of last season, but Jimmy Graham is the big marquee name. Are we happy with Lance Kendricks and Jimmy Graham with Emmanuel Bird in there and even Michael Clark sort of moonlighting as a you know wide receiver slash tight end with his size? Or do we dip into this draft and get a tight end? I, I don't think this is a big need, Andy. It's certainly not something that you flagged in your piece, right? No, no. There's a guy I like down the bottom, a guy called Dion Yelder from Western Kentucky. Yeah. He'd be available on day three. Um, I, I don't see any problem with uh, taking a bit of a punt with that. Um and you don't know, do you, with Joe Philbin at the right? I think that's why I paused, really, is because I, I do believe that he quite likes the two like, tight end set. Um, and Lance Kendrick, for me, wouldn't be a, a lock-in to make the to make the final 53. So I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. There's a couple of guys, the, the Dallas Godarts of this world, Ian Thomas from Indiana and Mark Andrews at Oklahoma, I think all have significant potential. Um you know the the heartstrings might say Troy Fumagalli from Wisconsin as well, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I like the guy down the bottom there. Even Tyler Conklin's quite steady from Central Michigan. I know I did a couple of mock drafts and he sort of popped up at the bottom. I quite like him. Um, but you're right, it's not a position of um, urgency. But if you take Jimmy Graham out of the equation, say if he was to be out for six weeks with a hamstring, we we do look awfully thin after that. So that's the way I would look at it. You take out your best player and then what's the depth like? Um, and that's why I. I think we will take a tight end potentially. It'll be day three, though. Yeah, and Troy Fumagalli, I mean, great to watch. Um, we went over and watched the Badgers game um, in Wisco last year, and he just dominated the game, as did the running back. But it's that kind of thing of you're looking at the opposition and you're looking at the game and you're thinking it's a bit weak. And I just don't know how he'd actually yeah. make that step up to the NFL, like you say. He's, pro he's projected between the fourth and sixth round, so... Yeah, maybe it's one of those things, you know, it's kind of like if they can pick him up on the on the cheap very late, maybe um, he's sort of known for being a good blocker. But again, in what type of competition? 
and then he kind of fizzled out at the end of last season we didn't really um he didn't sort of show his best either so for anybody listening uh who's a badgers fan i do love the guy he made me want to to get a jersey and bang his name on the back of it uh just be more so <laughs> from what the what the crowd were shouting at him every time he got the ball but you're right i mean jimmy graham goes down this is a boomer bust type um situation where you know you have him in and we could be potentially be just ridiculously just dynamite especially down by the red zone or we could be just absolutely awful lance kendricks just strikes me and the same as richard rogers did because uh last year you know at the game i got to get down onto the field and that's not a humble brag um it's just you know a lot of a couple of us did that's what you get with the uk packers tour lads come on get on it right so we're going to be announcing our plans soon we went down by the field and i i stood right beside martellus bennett and richard rogers and lance kendricks and they're all going through the drills you know they were practicing the whole block and getting off the block and catching the ball and richard rogers like it's like it was like a i don't know i've i lived on a farm for a while right it's ireland we all kind of do our stint right and i remember moving cows and cattle before and more imposing i know this is getting weird but more imposing than anything else of their actual size and the size of a bull and they just had a bamboo stick to try whip them down the road right it's just the noise and the thump on the on the road it's just just the sheer weight and that's what i got with richard rogers he was just a big dude just a big lump of a man and the same with lance kendricks and martellus bennett and looking at them as a normal person and seeing them it was just absolute freakishness then jimmy graham has that lance kendricks albeit doesn't have that kind of size and i just couldn't understand why they weren't a success is that just uh, like do we see a renaissance here uh, this t- kind of off the draft thing with the tight ends under philbin i mean what what is it andy i mean why why can't we be successful with tight ends because it's not as if we lacked the measurables with the guys did we or did we is that is that is that what happened they just didn't pan out did they they, they, no. they were just um to coin your phrase, they were square pegs and round holes, weren't they? Yeah. Um, Bennett was past his sell-by date. I don't think it, many of us saw that coming. No. Kendricks wasn't used to the degree that I think he should have been used. Um, I think we saw a glimpse of how it could look with Jared Cook the season before. Um, I just thought Rogers was a good red zone threat, and that was it. You know, he had the biggest calves I've ever seen. But that doesn't buy you yards in the NFL, does it? <laughs> and unfortunately, I just don't think he was used correctly. I think he was a a big body tight end that should have been used in, you know, inside the 20, you know, at the front pylon. Uh, but apart from that, I, I wouldn't have seen the field for me. So I, I, no surprise that he's gone on to a different ball club. Um, and I just think we need to get a little bit more athletic. Um, and usually what it works best is when you have a mix, yeah. whether it's your, your, your Keith Jackson and your Shimura days where you've got one going deep in Jackson who used to glide up the field and Shimura would sit down after 10 yards on a 10-yard curl. That's what you really want from your tight ends. You know, Shimura was an effective blocker. Jackson wasn't so effective, but that's what could happen if you pick up someone like, you know, Gouda and on sort of day two, really. Um, it, was a, it was a good blocking tight end and you've got Graham who can sort of split the seam. I think he's still got plenty of juice in his legs at 31 years old. Yeah, and we always hear this stuff about him being a basketball player and that's kind of good. Now, someone, some position that you did have in your article was guard. So if you look at left guard, uh, Lane Taylor's in there. The only person behind him is Lucas Patrick. Now, everyone's high on him and he's this kind of um, you know feel-good story about how he came from nothing to something. And then on right guard... Um, which is a very famous make. Uh, so, that, you know, you're looking at what? Just There's a guy in there, Dylan Day. I mean, do you have an awful lot of confidence in Dylan Day? And they, I mean, you know, <laughs> centre Corey Lindsley were set um, uh, with Justin McCray coming in behind. And Justin McCray obviously played a bit of right guard last year as well. So, left tackle sorted David Bakhtiari. Ulrich John, surprise, surprise, is a free agent. Massive loss there. Adam Pankey sits behind David <laughs> Bakhtiari. Um, uh, right tackle. 
uh, Jason Spriggs, you know, in place of Brian Balaga, who I, I read a stat about Brian Balaga the other day, and I think the description was he had a se- he played a season high sixteen games, and that scared me because I was like, holy yeah. god, season high, you know, a career high sixteen. You know, he's only played the every game of the season once in in his career, which is well, it makes sense because he does seem to always be picking up injuries. What do we do? It's there? a tough one, isn't it? It's yeah. a tough one, isn't it? Because he's obviously well respected and well liked in the in the locker room. He's yeah. obviously respected and appreciated by the coaching staff as well. But the the fact remains that he you know he just looks like an injury waiting to happen, doesn't it? Yeah. You know every sort of pile up at the line of scrum, which I always think, oh, you know, can our offensive tackles get up okay? That's the main thing here. So it's a tough one. It's another tough call for Gudekunst to make, isn't it? Um, the problem is this year that the, the tackle population in the draft purposes is, is wafer thin, absolutely wafer thin at tackle. There's, there's very little to go at um, either sort of early in the draft or, or later. So even if we did want to sort of move in that direction after after the sort of top two, Connor Williams, McGlinchey, Orlando Brown, uh, you could throw in Colt Miller, but after that, there's there's very little. Uh, there's a couple of guys potentially day three, uh, Ty, Tyrell Crosby from Oregon, uh, who's, who's sort of six five, three twenty, and a guy from Western Michigan, which whose name I won't even attempt to pronounce. <laughs> Just going to call him Chucky, um, and, and that's pretty much it from the tackle population. I didn't like sort of any of the sort of later round guys all the way down to sort of probably a guy from the army which is sort of Brett Toth um, yeah. I quite liked him he was quite raw um, but quite athletic so I think you're looking at maybe as a sort of swing player guard tackle but again um, we, we're not going to have the luxury of picking high in that population the likes of Nelson and, and Wynn I think they'll be um, you know beyond our affordability even someone like Will Hernandez who I really like um, who went to the same college as Aaron Jones um, I really like him but I don't think we're going to have the opportunity or the luxury to be able to take him either so I sort of scooted down to sort of day three and there was a mm. couple of guys uh, Sam Jones from Arizona State team captain yeah. a very well uh, liked member of the team uh, a guy called Skylar Phillips from Idaho State um, a guy called Jamil Denby from Maine I liked him uh, and a guy called Tony Adams who was probably he probably sort of dropped to a free agent, to be honest, but uh, from NC State. Those are the sort of four or five guys at the bottom of day three that um, that I think we'll go for. I just don't think there's a value further up the draft to be able to take a player that high. Yeah, like you said, I mean, Quinton, some people say Quinton Nelson uh, at guard is actually the best player in the draft ahead of all the yeah, quarterbacks possibly. and everything else. Uh, you know, is, is one of the best players. Uh, they have Billy Price up there, Isaiah Wynn. But like you're sort of saying, too far up, we've too many needs, I guess, to go We just for don't that, put that price, do we? We don't just put yeah. that. We don't, you know, like I said to you last year, when's the last time we drafted a guard at number one? Uh, doesn't happen. Yeah. 85, you know, so you're talking in uh, 23 years since we last did it. It's not going to happen, is it? So. And Jerry uh, Evans resigned. Possibly, yeah. I think he'll sit in the wings, won't he? He'll have his holidays and uh, he'll wait in the wings and see what happens. I think, but he's an insurance policy for sure. I thought he was quite good last year. I was very impressed by him. Uh, good experience, and he was actually he was graded pretty high as well in comparison to what he was expected to be. But uh, like even alone from all of that, I thought he he, he did really well. So I wouldn't see that yeah, as a I bad well. move. Anyway, yeah. I'm surprised. No, no not three. Are you surprised they didn't do it already, though, Andy? In the sense that I mean, it would have given us a bit of an an insurance policy, um, at right guard. You, you know, like Justin McRae put in a solid performance, but like surely Jerry Evans was a no brainer, a cheap sort of you know one year deal. Yeah, I think it is. But from his point of view, you can understand why he wouldn't sign that one year deal. You know, if Lane Taylor goes down tomorrow, and Jerry Evans' price suddenly doubles, doesn't it? So, yeah. from a bargaining point of view, you can understand why he's doing it. And, 
and from an extended holiday point of view, you can also understand why he's doing it. You know, the guy uh, looks to be enjoying himself during the off season. If you look at him, so yeah, yeah you, yeah, you can't fault him really, can you? I think, I think, like he said, the reason he came to the Packers was to win titles. Yeah, uh, and if you look at where we finished, um, and we're a long way from that in the minute. So I think his motivation needs to be right. Let's see what you do in the off season. Let's see how the squad's sort of shaping up. And if I believe we've got a chance, and I would, I would imagine he'll be back. Yeah. Um. So your your piece as well, and and you, we posted it on all of our social media. So on our Facebook groups, if you're not in there, get in there. Um. And the and the private group as well, uh, get in there. There's some good banter goes on in there too. Uh, and you were getting back to people today, Andy. You know, that we're talking about the running back position. But before we get there, which is the last sort of kind of intriguing one. We have uh, quarterback, fullback, Aaron Ripkowski. You have the job for life, don't worry about it. You're the reincarnation of John Kuhn, so you don't have anything to worry about. Just don't get yourself injured. That's that sort of quarterback. Brett Hundley, uh, underwhelming last year. And that fell on the coaching staff. You know, Mike McCarthy got angry at one stage, mostly because people kept saying Colin Kaepernick to him um, yeah. over and over. Um, and then Joe Callahan as well. But we have Deshaun Kaiser in there. Was was Is the Deshaun Kaiser trade for you just a way to you know, get the first pick in the in the fourth and fifth round and get a troubled child <laughs> out of Green Bay? Or do you think that the Packers were high on him? Because we did have this story, didn't we, that, you know, they were really contemplating going for him. Um, what was it, in, in round two or whatever? Like, really high anyway last year they were, they yeah, were yeah. thinking of going for him. So. Yeah, oh. definitely a bit of both, I think. I think there's definitely a bit of both. And they prize that first pick on, on the, in round four, don't they? I just hope they make a... A better choice than they did last year when Carl Lawson was sat there waiting for them. But yeah. but no, I think it was a bit of both. Um, there's no way that Brett Huntley sits as number three next year, though. So it might be that on quality, it's Rogers, Kaiser, Huntley, but there's no way he sits as a three. And I think there's there's every chance we, we end up trading him for a late-round pick, sixth or a seventh-rounder, I think, at some point during the, the off-season. I just don't think there's any way he remains in Green Bay uh, come season time which is why I would draft another QB, um, certainly down the bottom of the draft somewhere. A couple of guys I like the elk of, um, and I think that's what we'll do. Um, yeah. There's no way. There's just no way. I just don't see it. Do you, do you see that happening? If it Kaiser's the guy, we traded for him, and he shows enough in camp, then I would imagine he'd be the backup to uh, Rodgers. Yeah. And if Huntley's free, I just can't see him sitting inactive on game days. It's just not going to happen, is it? No, I, I agree with you there. I think if Kaiser shows enough to, to beat him out, which I don't think would be a whole lot, I reckon that they'll, they'll get rid of him. I reckon Hundley probably showed an awful lot of promise, you know, throwing balls into nets from long distances in practice and look kind of promising. Yeah, yeah. He's probably yeah. a nice guy, very studious yeah. guy, uh, you know, yeah, look yeah. good. But when it came to, you know, the heel of the hunt, because if you look at Kaiser uh, last year, yeah, the, you know, he was the quarterback of uh, the most winningless team ever. I mean, just it was tragic at times, but he brought the game close at times. It wasn't only down to him why they lost those games. So, I mean, at least he has a proper experience of having that expectation and maybe maybe he'll blossom by not by knowing that he's not going to have to go out there um, for a, a toilet team and have to go and try to keep them alive. Whereas Brett Hundley went out with talent that Aaron Rodgers was tipped to go to the Super Bowl with depending on what bookies you want to go to um yeah you know and I, I think as well like joe callahan bailed the packers out at times um in his tenure in green bay and that's why there's an awful lot of affection there now that's not my words that's coming from the coaching staff and they said that oh joe really you know helped us out and that's because you know with everyone being injured and all the rest and he had to come in and step in and, and try and make a go of it and did it valiantly and he seems like a kind of a nice guy um, but yeah, I reckon that uh, Kaiser probably, if he do, if he keeps his wherewithal, shoots up the depth chart, as you say, Brett Hundley is shipped out and have effectively just, you know, because Deshaun Kaiser and Brett Hundley 
probably have very, very similar measurables. They're the same type of quarterback, and at least they get to reset with Kaiser um, yeah. and maybe get something for Hundley in the end. That's that's how I see it. But uh, you had some great points on running backs. So, you know, we've that whole Ty Montgomery debate is after coming up again. We've Jamal Williams, who is just, um, as you call him, a gem. But you have some great phrasing on Facebook about, you know, exactly what type of player you feel that he is. Aaron Jones was a revelation last year. Um, Devontae Mays, I think, came into the game, had, you know, five carries and fumbled four of them or something like that. It was pretty unfortunate for him. I, I just that, That's in my head. It's probably not at all what happened. I think he did fumble no. his first one, right? Um, and you sort of, you, you thought that he was going to be a good player. Talk us through that then, um, Andy. Why do you think that we would go back in looking for more running backs when it seems like that it's already overcrowded in that room at the minute? I just think that we've got a special player on our hands in Aaron Jones. I think he displayed enough promise, didn't he, in his first year to say that he's going to be a player in the NFL. I just don't think he has the body type that's going to withstand a great deal of beating 25 carries a game. So, so with that said, you're looking at Jamal Williams. I thought he did it as you know. He was as advertised, really. What you saw at college was what you saw in, in Green Bay. He was quite tentative to start with, but once he found his his mantra, he was really sort of... Uh, he, was a, he was a real bell cow, wasn't he? Hard yeah. to bring down, hard-nosed, tough, you know, great fit for Green Bay and the conditions that we play in wintertime. So I thought that was great, but I don't think he's ever going to be a, a superstar. I think he is what he is. Um we didn't really get to see Devontae Mays, did we? We didn't really get to see what he was all about. And obviously he went into the coach's doghouse, which doesn't doesn't help <laughs> matters. So preseason's going to be huge for him. So that's what I meant about sort of questioning what we've got in the room. And then yeah. obviously the the real sort of unknown factor, which is odd, isn't it? Because he's been with the club a, a long time now. It's, it's Ty Montgomery, you know. Um, there's all this sort of supposition that because we've lost Jordy that he referred back to wide receiver, but he's already gone on record and said that he's staying at running back and he's bulked up as a result. Um, I don't know. Uh, what I said was that when I watch him play against the likes of Chicago Bears, he looks like an all-pro. Yeah. Uh, he's, an, he's an amazing running back with some fantastic skills. And then you watch him in other games, he looks quite tentative uh, and unsure of himself. And there's never a game goes by where he's not hobbling off the field with some sort of ailment. So the injury factor is, you know, is, is plagued him also. So that, that's the uncertainty for me because if we've got four running backs again, it's, it only takes one to go down, and the depth is, you know, is challenged again. So I just I would like to see something on third down that other ball clubs have, the likes of Chicago, what they had last year with their running back, you know, the likes of Tariq Hill in Kansas City, where you've got that sort of third down change of pace back. Now I know Aaron Jones has done a great job, but I wouldn't say he's a blazer. Uh, and, and again, thinking of special teams and what a kickoff returner could do for us or a punt returner could do for us. So the running backs that I looked at in the draft were particularly um, based around speed and, and sort of could offer you a bit of a niche role. Uh, a Swiss Army knife, if you like, not necessarily a back that's going to carry 25, 30 times a game. So that's why I, you know, offered the question around, you know, are we really set? Because it looks okay on paper, doesn't it? And the other thing to consider as well, if we're going to sort of get into the realms of trades as the season draws closer. You know, if we have got a full house, that's the house you look at when you're looking at trade, isn't it? So I'm not saying that we'd trade Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones, but Ty Montgomery, for me, if we were going to sort of throw a list of three or four players that were tradable, uh, he'd be in the list, unfortunately. Big-bodied running back, so you don't think we need sort of a bruiser? Because, I mean, strangely enough, we saw an awful lot from Aaron Ripkowski, what was it now, two years ago now, where he actually was yeah, yeah. that sort of, uh, you know, third, nothing, third and short. Yeah. But nothing last year, and I think no. that Williams, as the year grew on, 
became that bruiser, didn't he? He was looking for contact um, yeah. on a lot of plays, wasn't he? Rather than avoiding it. And I quite like that. But that, you know, <laughs> those types of players have a short shelf life, unfortunately, don't they? Yeah. So I think there's, um, there's, there's sort of the guys down the bottom of the draft. It's not as though we're going to invest a sort of, um, you know, a high value pick either. So the guys that I was looking at were a guy called Naheem Hines from NC State, uh, Wadley from Iowa. Um, I think that there was a, a couple of other guys further down, Justin Jackson from Northwestern, who's probably not as quick as the other two, but certainly displayed some potential as well. So um, those sorts of guys down the bottom end there, I think would be worth a punt. Yeah, and uh, Naeem Hines, uh, you know, five foot nine, a man after my own heart, and seeing as kind of a, spe- <laughs> a speedy guy, you know, so yeah, definitely yeah, going yeah. for speed on that one. Because I, I, do you know what? I, I think what they should do is they should just start getting in lads at about five foot. The big tall lads never see them, and they just, you know, run between the leg style stuff. More Irish leprechauns in the NFL, please. Um, and I've seen some nice Irish names. I was going to do kind of like a little Irish section, just go into their names, but it would just be incredibly boring me just calling people's names in Irish. Uh, it's not very exciting. Look, stellar stuff. The article is brilliant. Uh, the podcast has been very informative and definitely going to watch out for some of those players that you mentioned. Is there any parting thoughts then um, around this draft, Andy? Any sort of weird things that you think are going to go on? Um, any sort of extra players? Anything to keep our eye on? Or have we, have we basically summed up everything as it's I just think it's going to be a, a draft that's full of trades. I think we're going to be up and down um, like a toaster. I, I really do. I think there's going to be... Um, I think if we trade back in round one, I think what you'll find is we trade almost... Uh, was it Clay Matthews and Raji the last time we took two yeah. picks in, in the first round? You'll see something around that scenario. There's definitely no way we stand part of 14 in round two if we trade back. So I think that's the sort of conundrum to look out for. If we trade up, then we're going to give away a third. Um, but we're sort of armed with plenty of fours and fives, aren't we? So again, I think we'll trade back up. So I do think whichever way it cuts, um, you'll see the Packers trading an awful lot over the course of the three days, which is going to be the interesting part, isn't it? For those who are staying up on this side of the Atlantic, you know, you'll be like, oh, I'll go to bed and wake up for the Packers at 14. It might have all happened by then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at, the same, at the same point, if you set your alarm clock for 14, it might not be till sort of 22, 23, unfortunately. So that's the way I see it cutting. I, I really do. I just can't see any way that we just... Whichever way you cut it at 14, there's there's neither not the value or not the player. So yeah. the more and more I think about it, I'm thinking we either stretch up or we take a, a reach back. And that's where I'm at in first round. And then from then on, I see a real host of players between sort of positions 25 and 100 that could really help us as a ball club. And yeah. I hope that's where sort of Brian Gudekunst earns his money this week because that's a, could define our season for next year, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's just so exciting to have Philbin in there, to have Petten in there. You know, to to you know, I'm doing air quotes now to rewrite the playbook, to be drafting where we are, to have that opportunity to reach up, um, or go back, and you know, it's, it's just yeah. it's it's exciting stuff. Um, I can't wait for it. But again, it's very different, isn't it? It's very yeah. different to the last few drafts we've had. You know, we isn't to the same rhetoric for Ted Thompson for the last you know number of years, and I think it's refreshing, isn't it? If if nothing else, to to see we've got two new coordinators, we've got. You know, real sense of change in the offing. I think that the and a real freshness that he brings to the table in terms of the draft approach. I'm looking forward to it more than I have done for a long time. Yes, yeah. it's, it's interesting, and I think the the sheer diversity in terms of the rankings is so much diversity between one person's grades and and one person's thoughts as opposed to another, which it makes it harder for us, you know, guys to predict. I guess, but it's, it's it'd be good fun. I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, so the the next podcast, um, well, yeah, I guess the what what we do, right? I'll tell you what I'll do. So I'll release this podcast. <laughs> this is gonna go. It's amazing the way it's all pre-planned. Uh, so this podcast is gonna go out uh, in the wee hours of Tuesday morning. So everyone will probably be listening to it Tuesday. Some of the American. Uh, followers will probably be listening to this uh, late on Monday I guess and then I've got another cool podcast that will come out probably on the day of the draft just to whet people's appetite of what goes on behind the Packers um, in a different regard and then um, we'll have the the post draft roundup and again we always sort of do this thing of like oh let's grade it from A to D and then you know four years later <laughs> you look back on the grade and go yeah Jesus well, I flunked that. interesting what he talked about on his presser as well about the, how they grade their drafts and it's not till three years down the line and what should they have done and, yeah. and how they should have looked at it brilliant brilliant yeah. insight yeah absolutely because that's the thing I mean even now like the the type of uh, tomfoolery you see now is you know grading the draft which we do and grading free agency which we do we get carried away and then also i've seen all these articles now about like the packer schedule comes out and like you wake up in the morning you see the schedule and also an article that says let's look at the win and losses we expect from this season and i'm like oh give me a break <laughs> jesus you already knew who we were playing so why did you wait till the schedule to go and sort of oh well, we're gonna beat the rounds you know yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah, so ridiculous bizarre bizarre oh. isn't it no, if we can come away with the, um, I think at the bottom of my piece on the on the website is a, is it fan speak where you get a chance to go in and, and use different people's grades for players and you get you get a chance to do a mock draft yourself. Yeah, I think I did one using one of the major producers and uh, I came well feeling like a like a pretty decent GM to be fair. So if we can come away with that one, I'll be chuffed a bit. Yeah, and look, we want to see what you're saying and what you want to draft and who you see the value is. The The conversation out there um, on Facebook is great, but go to Andy's piece, uh, go below, there's a comment section, leave your comments in there and we'll sort of have a bit of banter and we'll mention those. And anybody who can make... Um, I'll tell you what, anybody who can pick four players that the Packers are going to draft wow, will tough. get a signed merch item. Well, no, hold on. Wow. Maybe, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be promising this because it'll be about 100 people. Four's going to be tough right. this year. Yeah. You take one in a year, uh, four's really tough, isn't it? So if right. you're going to take one player, then give me one player that the, the Packers pick up, Steve. Come on, let's nail your colours to the mast. One player that I really, really want them to pick up or one player that I definitely think that they will pick up? Yeah, either or. Um, I don't know I reckon do you know what I don't know because they're gonna they might trade out or go I reckon what they will probably do is so we need a cornerback jeez um, I don't know because I keep, I keep thinking that they've gone for the experience of cornerbacks so they maybe think that they're set there and they do yeah. something random like go for a safety but let me say I don't know I reckon we end up with Mike Hughes cornerback okay um, yeah 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 it's, it's well possible what about Absolutely. you? Come on, give us one. Give us yeah, two. Same, You're good at this. I'm on, You're the, same, I'm on the same wavelength yeah. as you. I think they'll pick up a cornerback for sure. Um, uh, Isaiah Oliver would be my guy from Colorado. I think he's yeah. appeared in each one of my, my mocks, so I'm going to stick with him. Yeah. Um, and then it'll be a wide receiver, so it'll have to be sort of... Uh, if he, It's going to be Miller or Gallup. Either, either of those two, I think, would be, would be a surefire thing, I think. I reckon they go and they trade up to get Calvin Ridley. <laughs> really? And they just go all yeah, offense. I'm, just all, yeah. just like, listen, forget about the defense now. We've got my pet and we're fine. We've got more Wilkerson in there. We'll, be, we'll get the pressure. Those are the two guys, Ridley and Davenport, not because they won't be good solid NFL players, but in terms of value, I'd be disappointed if we end up with, with those yeah. two at 14. I'd be, yeah, I'd be pretty upset with that one. Yeah. So listen to us. Don't listen to uh, Mel Kipper Jr. 
listen to the real experts here, the real pack of knowledgeable dudes. Well, Andy, it's been uh, great having you on again. Um, the draft stuff is absolutely stellar. So a bit of housekeeping. So we have this trip that we're organizing and I know everybody's impatient. There's nobody more impatient than we are um, at UK Packers HQ. So we're badgering um, the tour operators to try to get the absolute best price. So now uh, we're leaning going with a different tour operator. But that said, if you know we someone else comes back in with with the best value price for all of the tour goers, and uh, well then we're gonna put that out there to to all you guys and say, is that what you want to do now? To reassure people, I guess in a way, because everyone's looking at the book and they're asking what games we're gonna go for. We're looking at three games. We're looking at a double header, um, as sort of option number one. We're gonna split those into two different games that you can go to either or, and we're also looking at kind of a frivolous one. The prime time in me comes out, so we're looking at a to go to Foxborough to see the Patriots and then fly up to. Um, Green Bay and watch the Packers take on Miami now the problem is is that the Patriots games you can go see Pats versus Vikings why would you let's say um, for £750 it's super cheap but when you look at the likes of Pats versus Packers the actual game tickets are about $300 more so we're waiting for that ticket um, market to calm down a bit because you know it, and right now people are just scalping people so we're waiting for that to come down effectively while the travel agent is off price and the likes of flights so we're asking them to do a bare bones tour to just give us flights just give us match tickets and accommodation and we can provide all of the tailgating ourselves and we can do all the player meets ourselves because we have the contacts now that's where we stand so we're looking at the patriots game and uh, then to fly up to green bay and do miami or either or of those games so you can go to either one and also uh, the game against the LA Rams. Andy, to go to Hollywood, baby. To go off to Hollywood, get the shades <laughs> on, hit the beach. You know what I mean? Which one out of those three now, Andy, would you pick if you were, you know, heading over? It's all about the surf. That's what it's all about. <laughs> is that what it is? Get the it's vest out again? The, <laughs> it's all about the surf, yeah. Get the vest out. Bit of Cooper Cup and the surf. <laughs> what could you want? <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, I'd love to go to that Rams game. So the way they're pricing at the minute is is that the Rams game is the cheapest because getting into LAX, uh, there's you know the flights are dime a dozen, and uh, the Rams don't have any actual fans, so you can get in and get a nice ticket. In uh, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, the Patriots is is tough as you can imagine, Andy. So we you know you have Tom Brady if he plays, Rob Gronkowski. Both of those guys look like they're on their final year. Um, the only play on that four year rotation. So if you get in to see Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, it's the last time it happens. Um, that's the second most expensive game I think so far and these are all just off the, off the top of the head prices from the travel agent that we kind of badgered them to give us and actually I think the most expensive pricing out is actually that Miami game but they're all set to come down hopefully uh, it's their cheapest price yet that's certainly what we aim for also 1919 shop is going super well on the website make sure you get on there and get some signed merch Andy you got into the game back in the 80s I mean you're looking at Lynn Dickey we've Lynn Dickey signed merch in there um, so there's some absolute quality pieces and it's the cheapest that you'll find in the UK um, so that's uh, pretty exciting stuff if people want to get in there get onto Facebook get onto Instagram get onto Twitter and make sure you get on and read because we have some excellent pieces by a guy called Peter Jones and also um, at Pooley Shrew Andy who's on the podcast with me right now has a fantastic piece on the draft um, so definitely get in there and make sure that you um, read that so Andy they can find you on Twitter do you want them to find you is more so yeah they can want... find me and by the way Peter really knows his stuff as well he's a very knowledgeable yeah. guy he's, he's really tuned in to, to what the heartbeat of the Packers yeah well worth a read yeah exactly uh, Peter's been following the Packers since the 70s I think uh, he's originally from Texas and he's over now in the UK uh, departing his knowledge absolutely fantastic pieces on that um, so, and we've more exciting stuff uh, coming for the podcast 
Um, we hopefully have some players lined up. We're just waiting for times. And the next podcast is actually, it sounds on the outset, you're like, who is this guy? What is it? But it is absolutely mind-blowingly super brilliant uh, with, with this guy that I have uh, coming up as well. He's not um, a Queen tribute band then, no? It's not a Queen tribute band, uh, but we <laughs> I will be reaching out for a theme song maybe. Uh, so Andy, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we look forward to your um, thoughts on Twitter, at Shrew and in the Facebook group. You can find them in the groups, comment them back and forth. Nice bit of feedback there. So from myself, at Steedy the NFL on Twitter give me a follow as well don't forget and the group at UK Packers and I guess we'll we'll talk to you after the draft yeah look forward to it mate